Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. My name is Jody Harrison Bauer, and I am the host of today's show, and I am so happy to have you here with me. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. And this is where we educate, empower, entertain you maybe a little bit. We'll see how that goes and inspire you to live your most fearlessly authentic life. Because in my opinion, if we are not stepping into our truth and we are not living um, without judgment, um, then what are we doing here? We need to get past the judgment, get past the fear and step into our truth because that's when everything magical happens in our life. And one of the reasons I named this show Fearlessly Authentic is because for a long time, I wasn't living in my truth. And then I changed my life and here I am. And it's not always easy. And sometimes you have to like really step over that fear, but that is our goal for every show. And along with my guests, you are going to leave here feeling inspired so you can live that fearlessly authentic life. And I just want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe. We have a five-star rating, and you can find me anywhere on all social platforms at Jody Harrison Bauer, and you could also catch the show on YouTube at Jody Harrison Bauer. And I think that's I think that's it. I always think that there are so many things that I need to mention, and but I always want to get on with our guests. So yes, rate, review, subscribe. You can find us all on social platforms on YouTube if you want to check us out and see what we look like after the show. Um, and that is it. So we're going to get right into it right now. I want to welcome my guest, Dr. Elena Zinkoff. Welcome to the show, Elena. Thank you so much. I'm so happy I- to be here. I am so happy to have you here too. Very excited. I'm going to just introduce you to our audience. For those of you who do not know, Dr. Elena is on a mission to empower women to be their best health advocates, and she is helping women break through the common myths they are taught about hormones and women's health. She is an award-winning naturopathic medical doctor specializing in endocrinology with over 20 years of nutrition and exercise science. Her focus is on helping women from all stages of life and especially women in perimenopause to get out of the conventional way of thinking about hormones and to provide much needed answers to the most common hormone-related symptoms. Like many women, she struggled with PCOS, poor gut health and infertility. And she shares the hidden truths in medicine about hormones and women's health. That that's like so much of what we need. And so many women need to hear this because there are so many myths around hormones. Yeah, absolutely. And I think women are just left behind, you know, we're talking a lot more. And I think thanks to social media, women are talking more in their groups between their friends you can share different topics across different social media platforms. So I definitely see that there's a lot more conversation happening around it, but we still need to teach women and educate women so much more about the different options about 
not settling down for less and that there are so many great options regardless of what stage of life you're in. No, and I think that's very important because so many women do not think about their hormones. One of the questions that I wrote down was, you know, why are hormones such a mystery? And quite honestly, you know, I'm 62. I never thought about my hormones except for when I was pregnant, you know, because that made me, you know, very nauseous for the first couple of months. But other than that, you know, I went back to living my life and raising my family and then nobody really talks about it. And back when I had my daughters, 89 and 93, nobody was talking about HRT or BHRT or anything like that. And so I want to go back to the beginning and first ask you, so you can share with our listeners, what, what brought you to this field and why was it so interesting to you? Why did you feel such a purpose and a need to want to help other women during this time? I was exposed to naturopathic medicine when I was about 15 years old. So my mom, she's actually a uh, an MD, so she's a medical doctor, and she practiced family medicine when I was a teenager. And I was sort of a victim of the conventional medical system. If you've got PMS or you've got painful cramps, here's some birth control. If you have a UTI, here's an antibiotic. Oh, and if you've got yeast infection after the antibiotic, here's an antifungal. Oh, and if you're anxious or depressed, then, well, you know, there's an antidepressant or SSRI. Oh, and if your, you know, cramps are so painful, then here's a painkiller. Those were really the options for me as a teenager. And then as a woman going into my, into my twenties. And so growing up as a competitive athlete, I had access to coaches, nutritionists, um, trainers, uh, sports psychologists, and when I was studying undergrad um, as my business major, business admin, after graduating, I'm the kind of person I need to have a purpose and I need to have something that I'm passionate about. I just could not see myself working for corporate America. I just couldn't. It wasn't my passion. It wasn't something that would get me up in the morning. And my mom, even as an MD, said, hey, you know, I think you would really succeed in healthcare. And I think naturopathic medicine would work really for you. And I think it's because she knew that I really focused on nutrition, on exercise, just with my athletic background first. And I was trying to find more natural ways to improve my health. I was not, not open to medication. I just, and even in naturopathic medicine, you know, there is room for medication. There is room for surgery. There's room for injections and all sorts of things, but it doesn't, doesn't have to be the first thing we go to. And we have to understand who's the person sitting in front of us. What's their story? What's their background? And so as, as someone who was a competitive athlete was exposed to natural naturopathic medicine early on in life, and also struggling with just a lot of things that women struggle with, like acne, painful cycles, irregular cycles, chin hairs. And then when my husband and I were trying to conceive, you know, we had a difficult time. I thought that we're just going to rock it. And within, you know, the first try, boom, we got it. But it wasn't the case. And I found myself really dedicating my life's purpose and making it my, my life's mission to help women understand their body and help them find the solution to the problems that they face and to a lot of the common hormone imbalance symptoms that they're experiencing. 
I think so many women need somebody like you who has that deep understanding of everything that you just described, because I think as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the doctors that I would see and they were older than me and nothing against men, but they were men. And, um, you know, I just think that there is a deeper and a different way to take care of issues like PMS and all of the things that you mentioned that it doesn't, that there's nothing wrong with, conventional medicine, but there are other ways to maybe do things. My youngest daughter sees a naturopath and that is the way she has chosen to deal with certain things that she's going through. And I love that she's doing that. I love that she's exploring it because it's, it's pretty um, limitless if you look into the right person and that that person really understands you. I think it, it all comes down to is that the providers, whether they're naturopaths, MDs, DOs, nurse practitioners, whoever the provider is, they need to be open-minded and it is best that they practice integrated medicine. They don't even need to actually practice integrated medicine. They should invest into education so that they understand what is integrated medicine and what are other options and be able to refer their patients if they can't help them to other providers. Because like I, even though I'm trained as a primary care physician, I have moved away from that role because right. I really wanted to focus on hormones. It was, it was such at the time that, um, you know, many, even a few decades ago, my mom even told me later, if you just study hormones, like you can help so many people. She knew, she knew back she then. Knew. She knew she didn't know how to fix her own hormones, you know, right. and, and if she would go to her OBGYN her options were very limited. Well, I assume she was probably around my age, give or take five years or so. And uh, right. We didn't, we didn't know. Nobody talked about it. And I've shared this on, on social media that I wish somebody like me, but I don't know, obviously as much as you do, but was talking about it more. And as you mentioned earlier, that there are more women who are going through menopause or experiencing perimenopause, which is usually in your late forties. And I want to go through all that stage because I'm not a doctor, um, that I know I was very alone during that time in my life. And most of my friends were younger and I was divorced. And so I just didn't, my doctor didn't give me any information. They did throw me on a low dose of estrogen in order to deal with my hot flashes. But I do love the fact because of social media, there are women in their 40, late 40s and 50s who are talking about it. And I think it's incredibly important. As, but please know that, you know, there may be a lot of people talking about it, but it's important that they're providing you with the right information, which is why I wanted Absolutely. to have you on the show. Because you know what one what one woman is going through or what she may say is a solution to her problem may just work for her because hormones are very different for everybody and everybody has different symptoms based on, here I sound like a doctor, like their genetic makeup, I would assume, right? Um So it is the fact that we're talking about it more openly. I'm talking more about post-menopause because so many women who Mm -hmm. think as they're going through menopause, think they're going to die because it's so horrific, you know, not really die, but like, am I ever going to survive this? And I want them to know like, yes, look, I'm 62. 
you can, you can survive and thrive. So yeah, absolutely. It, it's, you know, it's like anything, the more we talk about it, the more we educate, the more we empower and the more we inspire. And that's what this show is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even just about talking like a doctor, right? It's just about you understanding the different phases of life as a woman and where you are. It's, it, I think it's really important. For example, my patients, if they go to see another provider, they get the language. They understand how to describe what they're going through, what they're feeling, because they've been on this journey with me and they know what they're supposed to feel, what they can feel and kind of what the next steps are. So it's just important to kind of be on the same, on the same or on an equal field with your provider and be, speak the same language and be um, see eye to eye on, on different things and use the same lingo, if you will, whether we're talking about perimenopause or postmenopause. And I think a lot of women are scared of menopause and, and postmenopause because this is the time when doctors are just like, well, it's kind of normal. And yeah, here's a little bit of estrogen. And they make doctors make a lot of mistakes when they prescribe different hormones because they're not taught properly or they're can you, can you get into that more specifically yeah. right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So first I think that one of the biggest mistakes that providers make, and this is what I want a lot of women to be aware of, and this is going to tie into what, you know, what you just mentioned is that everyone is very unique and it does genetics does play a role, but it also, um, our, our liver function plays a role, kidney metabolism, mitochondrial health, and are just unique metabolism. So all of those things will affect how someone is metabolizing the hormone and your age, of course, right? So someone who's a little bit younger might need a lower starting dose than someone who's older, someone who's in their twenties or thirties, maybe starting on bioidentical hormones for reasons that we can get into later is going to be on a lower dose potentially than someone who's in menopause or postmenopause and needs much more progesterone to let's say offset estrogen. So the number one thing, the number one mistake that a lot of providers make is they treat the patient based on what they've learned versus what the patient really needs. So they, they may have learned somewhere on their journey that you should start women on hundred milligrams of even bioidentical progesterone. We're not even talking about BHRT or HRT, but just let's say hundred milligrams of progesterone. Can you just explain? Yeah. Um, bioidentical yeah. just real quick, and then we could get back to, I'm sorry, yeah. but I want people to follow you. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Bioidentical versus um, synthetic. Synthetic. Yeah. Right. HRT versus BHRT. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people will, I see the, I see this getting thrown around that HRT is the, it's almost like HR, BHRT is within HRT, hormone right. replacement therapy. But I do think it's very important to distinguish the difference between the two and that we use the proper terms. So right. uh, hormone replacement therapy, it really, a lot of times we talk about estrogen when it comes to hormone replacement therapy. And I think that's one of the misconceptions is that hormone replacement therapy includes estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Um, but hormone replacement therapy, most of the time refers to synthetic hormones. So the things that let's say that we find in birth control pills or Premarin, for example, which comes, um, which was good for horses, right? Or Premarin comes it, it from was, horses, came from horses. Yeah. Right. So okay. Conjugated estrogen, which should have never been prescribed, but you know, my no. mother took, oh. my mother took that. 
When she was going through early menopause in her 30s, she took Premarin. I so weird that I remember that name because it was it came up in conversation all the time. Yeah. And I think we do have to give some grace, I feel like, to the medical community because we don't know what we don't know in different points in time. And one of the things that I want women to know is that, you know, we've come so far from the Premarin days that it should never be prescribed. Synthetic estrogen should never be prescribed. And that's going, we're going to, we'll get to our, that's the second mistake that a lot of providers make that women need to, you know, differentiate whether they're getting prescribed a synthetic hormone or a bioidentical hormone, but bioidentical hormones, they effectively mimic our own innate hormone production. So your body sees this as its own hormone that, that effectively it produces on its own versus synthetic. It has a slightly different configuration. If you look at the chemical structure of synthetic versus bioidentical. So hence the negative side effects with, with, with the synthetic hormones. So just to give a few examples with synthetic hormones, let's take estrogen or progestin, right? Not progesterone. Progestin is a synthetic form. Progesterone is the bioidentical form. With the synthetic um, estrogens and progestin, we see increased risk of blood clots. We see increased risk of cardiovascular disease. We see increased risk of cancer. With bioidentical hormones, with progesterone in particular, is reduction in blood clots, prevention of cardiovascular disease. And that actually estrogen plays a huge role in this in prevention of dementia, Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease. And actually it's not that it's one of the hormones that causes cancer, let's say too much estrogen or too much progesterone. It's the balance between the two. So I frequently say that balance is overrated. Like, do we ever really live like an imbalanced life? Right. It's like, no, it, it really is overrated unless we're talking about hormones and hormones is like the one thing in your life that really needs to be balanced. So if our listeners can take anything from, from this so far is that you always want your provider to prescribe bioidentical hormones, never synthetic hormones. The only time it's okay to take, let's say synthetic hormone is if it's thyroid medication, because thyroid medication, it's not when it's totally different. It's not a steroid. It's a totally different, um, hormone it's not about synthetic brand generic or glandular. It's what works for you. And so I think sometimes people think that, Oh, if it's all natural, meaning it comes from maybe a pig gland derived from pig gland, or, you know, my compounding pharmacist made this, or it's a brand that it's better superior. And that's not the case. It it really comes down to your own unique metabolism and what your body takes in you know, and what works more effectively for you. So, but I want to go back to, you know, the number one mistake, um, cause I kind of jumped into, you know, the synthetic yes. versus natural going back to the unique physiology. If we, if we learned that we should start women on average, say hundred milligrams of progesterone, and that's the dose that we prescribe to someone who is, it's maybe their first time going into the bioidentical hormone route or their receptors have been empty, you know, so all our cells have receptors for our hormones. 
And if those receptors have been empty for a long time and you give a woman a much higher dose than she's ever seen or been exposed to, then all of a sudden those, all those receptors just suck up all of that hormone and you risk getting a lot of negative side effects. And that's what I hear. The number one complaint is that, well, hormone replacement or bioidentical hormone replacement even didn't work out for me because I was bloated. I had acne. I felt, you know, irritable, angry, moody. And my first question is, what was the dose? You know, and I think I shared this with you when we talked before was that my, I I'm on bioidentical hormones and I've been on them for two years. I wish that I had gone on them while I was going through menopause in my fifties. But again, I didn't know where were you, Elena? Um, (laughs) And when I first started with the bioidentical hormones, he didn't put me on the optimal, but it was like, as you said, I didn't even think about the receptors. My receptors were like, what, what, what is all this? I haven't had this stuff in like 10 years. 15 years, maybe 12 years. I don't know. Since I was 45 and now I'm 60. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't get acne, but what I, what happened is that I did gain six pounds. And for me, I'm only five feet tall. There's not a lot of room to hide six pounds. That's a lot for a short person. And uh, so what we did was he pulled it way back. So still to this day, even after two and a half years of being on it, we're far from my optimum far from optimizing because he knows he's got to go really slow with me. Perfect. I'm sure, right. So um, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that just uh, reminded me of like what I went through and it wasn't, it wasn't horrible, but when I asked, well, should we up like say testosterone? I didn't ask about that in particular, but, but for example, so I could, you know, maintain my muscle mass or whatever. And he's like, no, you don't want too much because you might get acne. Then you'll really kill me. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) being 62 and having acne would not be ideal for me at all. You don't want to go through that again. And one of the questions women can ask is, is this, is this the lowest dose? Are we starting on the lowest dose or are we starting on the highest dose? Because Mm -hmm. You know, if I tell you a thousand milligrams of something, it could be a lot, it could be a little, but it just depends on the drug, right? It depends on the medication. It doesn't tell you on the spectrum, is it too high or is it too low? So if I tell someone hundred milligrams, they're like, well, is that a lot? Or It sounds like a lot, but where are we? And so I have women who will start on as low as 6.25 milligrams of progesterone. Yeah, my doses are super, super low. And we slowly ease them into whatever that final dose is. It might be 50 milligrams. It might be hundred milligrams. We'll never start them kind of on their ending dose, as I like to say. And speaking of testosterone, so women actually have much more testosterone in their body compared to estrogen. So testosterone is extremely important for women. And what I've observed actually is that women may be very sensitive to estradiol. They may be very sensitive to progesterone, bioidentical hormone replacement. They love testosterone and testosterone sometimes is kind of our gateway into hormones. Mm-hmm. It is, I have women who cannot do other hormones, let's say, but testosterone is the one that does the trick and that their body just loves. And that's the hormone that we start on. So, um, number one thing to know, right. Is that providers will sometimes most providers, uh, will treat kind of, will have that one size fits all approach, um, and a good provider will always look at your history, see what your response has been to maybe previous 
um, exposure to hormones, and then we'll, you know, prescribe based on your unique needs and monitor. Do we need to increase, decrease, et cetera? The second, I think the second biggest mistake that providers make is I already mentioned this is they provide, they prescribe synthetic hormones. And that is probably, if we can avoid the pain that women go through in terms of increased risk for breast cancer, increased risk of cardiovascular disease, neurodegenerative disease, like all of those terrible things that we just want to avoid. It starts by not prescribing synthetic hormones. And there's just so much education out there. It's almost like if you walk into a provider's office and they prescribe you with a synthetic hormone, let's say either it's estrogen or progestin, you might as well walk out because what kind of conversation are you going to have? Because they're not up to date with the latest standards on treating hormone imbalances and what kind of products they can be using or medications or hormone replacements. When not only is there education around, there's tons of research saying, hey, these are actually, this is how we should be prescribing that. We shouldn't be just giving women progestin or synthetic estrogens. Right. And when it's so important to be educated before you go to your provider. And when you mention the word provider, should women seek out a provider that specializes in hormone replacement therapy? Yes, it does need to be their wheelhouse. And I would have, I would have women basically interview their provider to understand what is their education? How long have they been doing this? How long have they been doing this? What are the different options? What kind of tools do they utilize? Do they use HRT or BHRT? And one really important question that I would ask women, uh, that I would want women to ask their healthcare provider is how do they troubleshoot? That's great because question. it is not a straight, it's not linear, right? It is... No. If I give someone one dose, chances are another person is going to not have the same experience and we risk having some side effects, but it's not the failure that we're concerned about uh, because there's plenty of failures sometimes on the journey to balancing hormones. It can be complicated, but it's how do you manage those failures? And so with my clients, for example, they always know that they can message me directly. They don't need to wait until follow-up. If, if their symptoms come back or they're worse or we're having some sort of negative side effects, let's not wait too long. Let me help you fix this, you know? And so I always want women to feel supported. And that's what I think women should have from anyone who's managing their hormones is you've got to have someone on your team that you can reach out because it's not a linear journey. And I think it's also important for somebody who's gone through that and is still going through it because as I mentioned, not optimal levels, I'm not at those optimal levels and it is a journey and it's something with, and I'm sure as an athlete, you always knew to trust the process, right? You weren't going to become this incredible athlete overnight. You had to put in the work, you had to train to get there. And it's the same thing with this. If, um, and let me know if you agree that you need to trust the provider and trust the process because it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to have a conversation, trust the provider, ask the right questions, make sure that you guys are aligned. And it's one of those things that it's an ongoing conversation of, you know, what's next. And if this is not working, what are, what are the other things for us to consider? So this is great information. We have still have so much information to 
to cover. So we are going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be back in a few. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, Following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Welcome back, everyone. I am joined today by Dr. Elena, who is an expert in the field of hormones and helping women through perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. And we were just talking about the difference between synthetic and um, BHRT, bioidentical hormones, and how they can help you and the differences. But I want to get into the um, busting myths. That is, you know, with the internet and all the information out there that I didn't have, that your mom probably didn't have as much either, but she's a doctor, so she would have. Um, but busting the myths, you mentioned that women don't need hormones um, in menopause. That's one myth. So let's start with that one. Yeah, which is very sad. And slowly we're having more conversations about the fact that actually women do need hormones. 
in menopause. In fact, it's very important because once we enter menopause and then overnight, we're sort of in post-menopause. So one year after you stop having a cycle, effectively, then you're in post-menopause. And it's very important that we start on hormone replacement. And I mean, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy within 10 years of being in menopause and post-menopause. If we don't, we actually, and we start on hormones later. And when I say hormones, I actually mean estradiol in particular. Yeah. I slid right in there. I mean, I was, I was nervous yes. when I read that there was like a 10 year window, yeah. I was really nervous, but you know, luckily I was able to get in there. I mean, I don't know if I have less of a chance of getting them balanced because I waited 10 years. So ladies don't wait 10 years. Don't wait. Don't wait, Absolutely. please. And I think this is such a big myth because it kind of feeds into this idea that women just need hormones for fertility purposes because, oh, you're in menopause. Well, why, why do you need hormones? Right. You're not going to reproduce. You're not going to have any more kids. Okay. Well, I still have a life to live. A lot of women, some, you know, they start reaching the peak of their career in their forties and going into their fifties. And yes, some, some of us are sending kids out to college, you know, into that during that time, but a lot of women, they still have a lot of life to live. And this is the time where we really need to make sure that we are preventing cardiovascular disease, preventing metabolic disease, that we're mentally sharp because we know that even symptoms like of dementia and Alzheimer's, they really can start to appear 20 years before, you know, as more serious onset of symptoms. So that may be brain fog or trouble recalling things that women are experiencing in their forties going into menopause. I would say, uh Oh, we really want to make sure that we get on top of our, our hormone baseline and start treating that, whether again, natural or more integrated. So one of the things that I would encourage women to, um, to talk to their provider about, especially if they're, let's say they're not on any hormones and they feel fine, but they know maybe they're 49 or 50 that at some point, you know, menopause is upon us. Right. Is how are, how's the provider going to manage it? Because if they believe that one, they don't need hormones, so then you got to find someone who's going to, again, help you on this journey. Or if they're going to prescribe synthetic estrogen, for example, and not progesterone, progesterone alongside of estrogen, that's a big red flag. Um, so it's really important to understand that, no, we do need hormones in menopause and postmenopause. It's not just for hot flashes. It's not just for hot flashes. It's also for healthy libido, healthy intimacy. Um, it's also for brain health, heart health, and a healthy metabolism. I, I have to tell you, I, when I hear this, I'm so happy that we're sharing it and so upset that I didn't have that information while I was going through it. My doctor never said to me, besides putting me on a low dose of estrogen to help me with the hot flashes, never said, you know, and Jody, we should really start talking about hormone replacement therapy with bioidentical hormones, or here's a hormone specialist that you should speak with. And that was back in, you know, I was started to go through menopause. I perimenopause, probably 2006, 2007. So it was a very long time ago when I was like 46, yeah. 47. Yeah. And so please, ladies, um, please, you need hormones. Have a plan. <laughs> Have a plan. plan, yes. Yeah, it's really important because unless you advocate for yourself, no one is really going to do that. And 
women go through, I would say about four major hormone fluctuations in their lifetime. The first one is, you know, when you're, when you get your first menstrual cycle, because that's when the hormones start doing the roller coaster that they do. Right. Month. The second time is when women are going through fertility treatments or are getting pregnant. I wanted to just say, you know, pregnancy, but I know that so many women have to, you know, unfortunately um, go through the fertility treatments. And then the third time is actually, well, I would say I would put um, still a second time is the pregnancy and fertility treatments. The third is postpartum. That's another time when they're right. for me elevated to all of a sudden being very low and then menopause, postmenopause. Mm-hmm. So our pretty much our life, <laughs> 12 years and, yeah. you know, oh, oh, that, and, and older is a lot of hormone shifts and fluctuations. And the younger we are, the more we can support ourselves more naturally, the older we get, especially after 24 years old, which is actually not that old, but our bodies kind of programmed that after 24 years old, you're kind of going for a landing in terms of hormones. They're so slowly starting to decline and they decline every decade. And so we have to get ahead of it. So we have to get ahead of it um, and understand that we will kind of have to juggle this hormone balance throughout our life. And it's going to look very different. You know, how you're, how we're treating hormones in perimenopause is actually going to be somewhat similar when we're in menopause, but there might be a few more bells and whistles attached. So we might, you know, we might start out with progesterone in perimenopause and even testosterone and then introduce estrogen and even maybe a little bit of growth hormone um, peptides when we're in menopause and postmenopause. And so that's, you know, that's one of the major myths, right? Is that we we don't need hormones after we're done having babies (laughs) or done done having a cycle. It's like, no, just because, you know, we don't don't have a cycle anymore. It doesn't mean that we don't need hormones. And then the second biggest myth, and this is the one women just have been burned by is that hormones cause cancer. Right. Right. And that's so unfortunate. Um, again, Grace. I have what there are women yeah. my age who are like, why are you on hormones? It's going to cause cancer. You're going to die. And I'm like, no, no, you're wrong. And yeah. Dr. Elaine is uh, going to tell you right now why. Yeah. So here are scenarios where hormones cause cancer. If it's synthetic estrogen prescribed without bioidentical progesterone, because progesterone buffers estrogen activity. It's the checks and balances that we have within our body. Everything in your body is about checks and balances. Hormones regulate our immune system. And when your immune system is dysregulated, there's a higher chance of cancer growth. Progesterone, bioidentical progesterone, not synthetic progestin, progesterone, the bioidentical progesterone prevents growth. It's anti-growth. So that's one of the reasons why it's so important to um, have it to keep estrogen or estradiol in check. So this goes back to one of the other biggest mistakes that providers make is they just prescribe estrogen. I would never, ever put a woman on estrogen without bioidentical progesterone. The other way that we increase risk of cancer is if we prescribe estradiol but we include progestin, synthetic progesterone, instead of bioidentical progesterone. Honestly, if we just avoid doing 
those two things that I just described and just do estradiol bioidentical and bioidentical progesterone, we're going to reduce the risk of cancer. It's that simple. Oh, that's amazing. That's, you know, women are just, just under the wrong understanding for what hormones do for them. And it's, it is that balance going back to that whole balancing act. Can you explain the difference between estrogen and estradiol? Yeah. Yeah. So estradiol is one form of estrogen. So um, I, I, I kind of go back and forth estrogen and estradiol, but I, I should stick to one, which is a, you know, estradiol. So there's also estrone and there's also estriol. And so there's three different types of estrogens, actually. The reason why we, we usually only hear about estradiol is because that is the preferred hormone for us. It is the most effective in terms of how well it binds to receptors. And then you have estrone and then estriol is like your weakest estrogen hormone. So you frequently see, um, women being prescribed bias cream, which has estradiol and estriol. And the reason why you have the estriol on board is because it'll compete with estradiol for receptors, which, which will make the estrogen essentially weaker, the estrogen activity. And so it's very interesting. So you have these cells having receptors and that's how you get the cells to do what they need to do because hormones are messengers. That's what they are. They bind to cells and they, you know, they tell the cells what to do and they're competing for those receptor sites. So if you have estriol, which is a weaker hormone and it's competing with estradiol, you know, it, if you have more of it in your system, if we prescribe more estriol compared to estradiol, then you'll just have less of estrogen um, side effects or fewer estrogen uh, side effects. So this is great for women, let's say, who are very sensitive to estradiol. It's like they need it, but not that much. Mm-hmm. And so we can offset its activity with a little bit of estriol and a little bit of progesterone to kind of keep it at bay. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. And yeah. when we talk about the different hormones, as we've been discussing all along, one of the other myths is that we can't test hormones. Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain that? Yeah, I, I really don't understand why primary care physicians and even OBGYNs will say this, because if we look at just the female cycle, let's take a woman without, you know, off birth control. If we take a woman off birth control, she has a time, you know, in the follicular phase, just in the first phase of the cycle where hormones are kind of low, and then they start to peak in the second half of the cycle we can map that out. So the fact that they say we can't test that is just, I think it's just pure ignorance at this point, because we know that there is a timeframe when hormones are supposed to peak. And that's when we test our hormones in order to see, do they peak? Because if they don't peak or if they're not in the optimal range, then that could be a sign or a clue of why the woman is experiencing PMS or PMDD or some of these other symptoms like spotting in between her cycle. How about women on birth control? A lot of providers will say, well, you know, their ovulation will be suppressed and they're not, you know, their estrogen and progesterone is going to be low. Yes and no. What I've seen is that actually some women even on oral birth control or IUD will 
be almost more on the estrogen dominant side. So yeah, even though they don't have um, huge amounts of estrogen or progesterone because, you know, ovulation is suppressed, they actually can still be estrogen dominant. So it's really important to understand the ratio of estrogen to progesterone in their system. So I always tell women that even if you're on birth control, I'm going to test your hormones because I want to see what's happening. Oh, and by the way, it's not just estrogen and progesterone. We've got a bunch right. of hormones. Yeah. Oh, I, I was amazed at all the hormones. And is it true? So if your doctor tells you, if your provider tells you we cannot test for hormones, find another provider, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Find someone who will absolutely test your hormones, who will test even your metabolites, hormone metabolites as well, because it's important to understand not just um, what your levels are, but how you're metabolizing estrogen as well, because some women, you know, can be, they can have um, estrogen metabolites that are more pro-inflammatory and some that are more anti-inflammatory properties or, or cancer protective. And the thing that I think this brings me to another point is I think a lot of times women will just get attached to whoever their physician is. Maybe right. they've been, you know, it's been passed down by their insurance company or they've been with the same provider for the last 20 years, you know, but if it's not working out, then you really, it, it's really good to interview other providers. It's like with anything else in life. I feel like we do this in other aspects of our life, but we don't do it when it comes to like our, our health. Yeah. Like if it's not working, you need to move on. You need to take yeah. action. You know, if it's not working, maybe it works for grandma, but it's not going to work for you because times are yeah. a changing and uh, <laughs> yeah, times are changing and we need to educate ourselves. And, you know, one of the questions I had for you was, um, you know, being in the fitness industry for as long as I've been in it, you being an athlete, um, it's your hormones that control your metabolism. Is that correct? your hormones control your metabolism and your metabolism. So your hormones basically control everything yeah. in your, in the way you feel in your body. Yeah. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. And I would even go a step further and just kind of dissect what is our metabolism? Because a lot of times people will think that our metabolism is just our fat burn rate and how quickly. Right. Please, please educate. You can, you know, how quickly you can get through your calories. And that's kind of, we've been not necessarily taught. I think that's just the industry, right? The, the fitness industry and the health industry and just marketing of what our, that's the meaning of metabolism is right. how good someone can maintain or lose weight. But when it comes to metabolism, it's about how well we generate energy, how well our cells are functioning, how well can we detoxify? How well can we um, get rid of waste, package up the lipids and get rid of them? It's our metabolism also relates to our body temperature and how quickly things are moving. So when someone is hypothyroid and they have a slow metabolism, it's not just that they can't lose weight. It's their body temperature is low. Their breathing rate is lower their heart rate can be lower. They're losing hair. They're, they're, the reason why they're experiencing dry skin is because their cell turnover is not as quick. So our metabolism is so much more than weight loss. It relates to our energy. It relates to our body temperature, detox pathways, 
really overall cellular function? And I would say, yes, part of that is glucose and insulin metabolism, which then can feed into our weight. Hormones, it is like an orchestra. It's slightly an overused term, but it really is an orchestra. And you want to make sure that everything from your um, thyroid to adrenal hormones to your steroid hormones that are produced both in your adrenals and your ovaries are all functioning optimally. Because if one of them is off, then chances are it's going to be a downstream effect and all of them will be affected, but we have receptors in pretty much every organ in our body for hormones. So if our hormones are tanked or they're too high, then that's going to cause a disturbance in the system. And the, thank you so much for explaining that. And just to explain the opposite of that hyperthyroidism. When we have too much. Yes. When we have hyperthyroidism, it is too much of thyroid that's being produced, typically T3. So we have our body produces T4 and T3 hormone. And what happens in hyperthyroidism is predominantly we just overproduce T3. And it is a, you know, four to five times more metabolically active hormone compared to T4. And a lot of times women will experience fat loss around um, the eye area protrusion of kind of the-, the our, Could that be, is that like Graves' disease? Yeah. Yeah. So that's an example of Graves disease. Yep. So hyperthyroidism, um, can Graves disease, um, is hyperthyroidism and women do experience increased metabolism, if you will, to some extent, right. Increased heart rate, trouble, sleeping, sweating, the opposite of hyperthyroidism. And some women, you know, they'll joke in that with hyperthyroidism, a lot of women will lose weight and I shouldn't just say women, but we're talking mostly about women, you know, men, right. Right. But um, in in some cases, because it ends up being sort of a broken metabolism that sometimes you lose weight, but then you gain it all back in it, if not more. No, thank you for explaining that. And, you know, we were talking a lot about menopause and I know you work with a lot of women who are perimenopausal, but so many women in their twenties and early thirties who, you know, um, may think that everything is good. We're good. We're good. Hormones are good, but they're starting to notice you know, maybe I'm getting acne, maybe I'm gaining weight, maybe it's not as easy to lose weight that, you know, there are different tests that women can take in their 20s, 30s and beyond that it's not just for older women. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I'm seeing is younger and younger women wanting to understand their hormones. And I have a lot of mothers who will bring their daughters in wanting to for them to get their hormone baseline when they're teenagers. And it's amazing how many hypothyroid conditions and hormone imbalances I catch in those teenage years and how quickly they can bounce back, right? When we catch it right away. But a lot of women will start to get their hormone baseline in their 20s and early 30s. So we don't have to wait until we start skipping cycles and we're already in the perimenopause, menopause stage for us to get a hormone baseline. So I think it's really important that women in their twenties or thirties, and especially if you're in your late thirties or forties, you have to get your hormone baseline because you want to know, even if you don't have any symptoms, you want to know what's going on. And it's kind of funny because a lot of times women will say, well, you know, what if I don't have a hormone imbalance when, when we're doing our 
explore, you know, exploration calls to see if like my program is a good fit for people. They'll say, well, what if you don't find a hormone imbalance in my labs? And I'm like, trust me, I'll find a hormone imbalance. It's just a matter of how significant it is because we all are, trust me, you know, the person sitting next to you or the person in front of you when you're getting a cup of coffee, it doesn't matter. All of us have some sort of hormone imbalance. It just, it just depends on to what extent. And a lot of times people won't, it won't necessarily surface the symptoms of a hormone imbalance until a life-changing event. And it could be age, it could be stress, it could be divorce, it could be something that's happening with kids. And all of a sudden, you know, overnight women feel like they've fallen off the bandwagon. And so most of the time, also women don't necessarily um, can make the correlation that something is related to a hormone imbalance. I, I, right. I completely agree. And I, I wasn't aware of it either. I never thought while I was going through, you know, experiencing perimenopause, I'm like, I didn't think I'm having a hormonal imbalance (laughs) because I didn't know that because like you said earlier, I thought we only needed hormones. I know I sound so dumb, but when I was in my, in my thirties and forties, I thought, well, yeah, you go through menopause and you don't need those hormones. Totally not true. Totally not true. And it's never too early to get your hormones checked. So you do know your baseline. Yeah. You know, it, it's like being, you know, your healthiest as you go through menopause. Like you want to be prepared, as you said at the beginning of the show. It's all about being prepared and having a plan. So when you do go through those times, you are already prepared, right? Absolutely. And if you're in perimenopause, when you ask different providers, you know, again, this is one of those things that providers will say, you don't need hormones, you do need hormones. And because we just, again, naturally that those hormones, they decline after the age of 24, it's okay to introduce bioidentical hormones earlier in the process and not wait until you're in menopause. Oh, and by the way, starting on hormones earlier can really help you understand what your body does well with, what your body doesn't do well with so that when you go into menopause and going back to when all those receptors get flooded with all these hormones that your body hasn't seen in ages, you're going to avoid those negative side effects. Huge takeaway, huge, huge takeaway. Oh my goodness. I, I just love that. Where can our listeners get in touch with you? Yes. Um, they can visit me on drlenazinkov.com. That's my website. And please follow me on Instagram at drlenazinkov. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show. I've learned so much. I know that our listeners have learned so much. Elena, thank you so much for joining us. And for everybody listening, thank you for joining us today. And until next week, go have your most fearlessly authentic week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.